Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Wassalatu Wassalamu Ala Rasulullah. You are listening to Islam Tomorrow. You can visit us on the internet to hear this and other broadcasts by going to Islam Tomorrow, I-S-L-A-M-T-O-M-O-R-R-O-W, not two W's, but never mind, anyway, dot com. And then... You can put a slash after that, and AV will take you to the audio-video section. And here this and other programs. I'm your host, Yusuf Estes, the National Muslim Chaplain for the World Assembly of Muslim Youth, and the delegate to the United Nations World Peace Summit for Religious Leaders. And if you put all of that title on one card, you don't have room for the phone number. So, alhamdulillah. <laughs> That's why I don't bother to give it out. So, alhamdulillah, this final session... This program today is going to be dealing with a a special subject, the special subject of what I call the beauty of Islam. For me, and I'm sure for a lot of others, when they hear the true beauty of the understanding in Islam, then the whole entire life makes sense. Everything fits together. It's as though you had so many pieces of a puzzle and then suddenly you found that one piece that was missing and now you can put the puzzle together and that piece that's been missing is the correct understanding of why bad things happen to good people when you have this piece of the puzzle then all the other things of Islam come together so nicely that we welcome this beauty of Islam so much because it helps us and others to get the picture of what's really happening. I would like to begin by mentioning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran numerous places that this life is a test. He has only put us here in a test to worship him. And I will refer to a few of the ayahs so that you can check them out for yourself because after all there are 6,327 ayahs or something in this area uh, verses in the Quran. So, you know, I don't expect you to go there and try to find them all. <laughs> but the verse that I'm particularly thinking about that Allah subhanahu wa tells us very clearly that just by saying that we believe is not going to be enough. There's going to be a test that follows it. This is in Surah Ankabut, the beginning of it. Do they think they will be left alone on saying we believe and that they won't be tested? For sure, just as we've tested those before, we will test them to show the truthful of those that are true and the liars in their falsehood. Additionally, throughout the Quran, Allah gives the examples of the people before us who were tested on the same issues. And just as a matter of fact, for the benefit of any who have come to Islam from Christianity, or for those who are listening to us and thinking about coming to Islam, I'd like to mention that these same examples have been given over and over in the Torah, in the Old Testament. And I'll give a reference to that as well, inshallah. If you look in the Old Testament in a, something called chronicles, chronicles means recordings like hadith, and the Chronicles, the second, the second book of Chronicles is two. Chronicles one, Chronicles two. Second Chronicles, in the fourteenth and the fifteenth and the sixteenth chapter, tells the story of three kings 
one is the son of the other and the other was the grandson Abijah Asa and the last one Jehoshaphat those are the three kings that are mentioned and it tells how when they followed the religion and worshipped Allah alone how they were successful how their kingdoms were successful but when they began to do false worship and misguided and fought amongst themselves that Allah put them down low and put the kuffar in authority over them and he gave these examples and others throughout the Bible in the Quran we find again the same thing when people began to worship other than Allah and they became arrogant in the earth then Allah brought against them great punishments so what we want to mention today is that there is a beauty to all of this though there's such a beauty to this in all of the things that happen the famous hadith of Muhammad when he said Ajiban and Ajib means amazing you know look at this <laughs> fantastic he said Ajib is the word he starts with is the condition of the believer because nothing bad ever happens to him now immediately you're going to ask a question you're going to say if nothing bad happens to believers then how could I possibly have a bad day <laughs> but listen to the rest of the deed he said nothing bad happens to him because anything good comes his way he's thankful to Allah and anything bad comes his way he's patient or sabr in Arabic language could mean steadfast now he says but this is only in the case of the believer you might focus only on the last part which is being patient in, in trials but the first part is also important that you must be thankful in the easy times these are both mentioned here so now we want to go to the main hadith that we're going to talk about this morning which explains why bad things happen to good people before doing that I want to tell you that I did receive an email and in the email from one of our Christian brothers in humanity he tells me that well your religion must not be very good because everywhere I look on a map of the world I find Muslims being kicked destroyed killed oppressed so therefore your religion must be no good how about that I considered it quite an astute observation on his part because most of the people don't even bother to notice that we are being kicked and depressed and oppressed and you know, stomped in the ground all over the world most people don't seem to notice or don't care but he's drawing this comparison here to say that well if you're being so uh, depressed or so oppressed then it means your religion's no good well if that's true then his isn't either is it because the early Christians suffered horribly at the hands of the Romans they were thrown into the lion's dens they were thrown in with bears they were thrown in with gladiators women were raped in public so that people could pay money to come see it that's what happened to the early Christians for 200 years and explains very clearly why in Rome that the Christians finally joined forces with the Romans in the year 325 
and accepted their church, which was called the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church of Rome became the Christian Catholic Church that we know today. And that's a fact. Documented, by the way, in the Encyclopedia Britannica, America Britannica, and the People's Encyclopedia, and the World Book Encyclopedia. I give you a long list. These are common books that you can go and read. The Nicaea Council tells you exactly what happened. So, I'm saying that the early Christians suffered the same as what we see Muslims today. And is that the only place? Well, no, actually, I already mentioned to you the one in the Torah. Torah would be the people of the Yahud or the Jewish or the Bani Israel, the sons of Israel. By the way, side note, I'd just like to mention this. If you read that in the Second Chronicles, chapters 14, 15, and 16, you'll notice something else. There were times when Israel was fighting Judah. So for the benefit of those who don't know the real history, Jews and Israelis are not the same. They never were and never will be. Just so you know that. That was a physical place because there was one of the sons of Jacob uh, whose name was Judah. Okay? But there was, when they divided into tribes, there was one place that was called Judah and it was a large state. Then there was a smaller place called Israel. And when they would fight with each other is when Allah would let oppression come over them. They would be dominated by non-Muslim or non-Jewish uh, disbelievers who would punish them horribly. Okay? Look at the parallels. It's amazing, isn't it? We'll go now to the Hadith that I would like to mention. It solves the problems of why bad things happen to good people. The Prophet ﷺ once told the companions, Sahabi, that there would be two men. And one would go, from the time he's born to the time he dies, will go through the entire life having everything he ever asked for. There will be nothing that he asked for except that he will get it. Including at the time of death, even then he will ask for a feast to be set before him and he'll get to eat that. There'll be another one who from the time he's born to the time he dies, he won't get anything that he wants. It will be uh, difficult for him. Even at the time of death, when he would ask for a glass of water, but he wouldn't be allowed to live long enough to drink it. He wouldn't get the water. And he would die. And then these two would be brought forth on the day of judgment. And the one who had everything, then he would be pushed into the hell, the Jahannam, the fire, like you push a pin into something and pull it out. It's not very long, is it? Just push something in, pull it out. And then he'll be asked, in your whole entire life, did you ever see anything good? He said, in my whole life, I never saw anything good. Then the other one, who had so many difficulties in this life, would be pushed into the paradise like you push a pin in something and pull it out. And then he'll be asked, in your whole life, did you ever see anything bad? And he'll say, in my whole life, I never saw anything bad. Now somebody asked the Prophet about this and he said, why would a man 
you know, go through their life and have a good life and then have to go to the fire. And why would another man who has a bad life, he has to go to paradise? Meaning, what we might say, I don't get it. So the Prophet ﷺ explained, nobody's perfect. Hey, by the way, I like this because I know I'm not perfect. I want to I know what's happening with this one. He says, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfectly good, but also nobody's perfectly bad. In the case of the first man, actually he was a very bad person. And Allah hated him. Now, by the way, this contradicts the philosophy that the Christians have today that God is love. And he don't hate anybody. But in fact, Allah has hatred for that which is most evil. So Allah hated him, and he didn't even want this man to smell the paradise. So the man, however, was not perfectly bad. He did good deeds. He maybe gave charity. Maybe he was kind to people. Maybe he was on time a lot. I know that a lot of you like to praise the kuffar for that. So maybe, and I'm saying this, maybe he did a lot of things that looked good to people. And maybe he did it for the sake of the people, but he didn't really do it for Allah. But because of his evilness that Allah knows, Allah let him have his good return in this life. Because Allah doesn't cheat anybody. Somebody does a good deed, Allah rewards him for it. So this man got all of his reward in this life and more. Even to the extent at the time of death he asked for some meal to be set out, he got it. Okay, great. But he won't even smell the paradise. He'll go straight to hell. Because the law is fair. This man will pay for what he did. In the case of the second man, actually he was a very good man. And Allah loved him. But he made some mistakes. He wasn't perfectly good. He did some bad things. He was sorry. He repented. But still he kept doing bad things. But Allah knew his heart. Allah knew he was a good man. And Allah didn't even want him to smell the hellfire. So he let him take his punishment in this life. So he'd have no punishment in the next life. When you understand that, now you can look to the world and see the beauty of Islam. Yes, we know Muslims have been killed and slaughtered, raped and punished. And yes, we hate that, but at the same time it does not decrease our faith. It does not cause us to say, oh, where is Allah, where is Allah? No, it doesn't. It does not cause us to say, oh, this is a bad time to be a Muslim. No, it doesn't. It causes us to increase our faith. Because we can look, we have eyes, we can hear, we have ears. We can see that these same people, including us, have not been following the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have not been fair with ourselves. We have not been fair with Allah and we haven't been fair with each other. But Allah loves the Muslims. So when we take punishment in this life, when we suffer in this life, when we experience fitna in this life, it is either one of two things. Either Allah is testing us or Allah is allowing us to experience our punishment here for the things we've done. 
And in both cases we would say what? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. The praise, the thanks, and all the worship is only to Allah. Alhamdulillah that Allah let me have a chance to suffer this thing or that thing here. If I experience heat here, then I, maybe I don't have to experience the heat in the next life. And this is what happens when people have fever. When people have high fever, and this is taking away from the fire in the next life. And when people experience broken limbs, or pains, or possibly even cancer, cancer or leprosy or diseases that they die from, not only does Allah take away all of the sins of this life from them, but guess what else? If a person dies as a result of a horrible disease, what did the Prophet ﷺ tell us? If he's patient. If he's having the second condition, the suburb. He doesn't curse Allah. Allah, you did this to me. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. He said, Alhamdulillah. Allah gives him the reward of shaheed. Allah gives him the highest honor that a human being can attain. To be counted amongst the ranks of those who sacrifice their lives. Those who in the next life will only experience the very, very best. Even on the day of judgment when it's so hot and there's no shade except the shade of Allah and they'll be in that shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. I want to be in that group. How about you? How about the one who drowns? How about the one who falls down from a long building? How about the woman who gives uh, birth or is in pregnancy and she dies as a result of all of these people are shaheed. All of these people are going to have the reward. We still, in the Janazia, in the funeral rites, we still prepare their bodies, which is different than the one who dies in the battlefield. For them, we don't even wash their body because the angels do. But I'm saying that Allah has given them this reward. As a prison chaplain, I've had the great opportunity to serve the Muslims for a number of years. And of course, along the way, if you're in service to people in any capacity, you're going to experience different things. People are born, and I've been there when children were born, called the Adan in the ear of the child. The right ear is the Sunnah, and left ear is something come along later, but anyway, do that. And watched as these children grew up, intended programs for them. Some of the children memorized the Quran, I've been there for that. And then other occasions when they got older and they got married, then when they have children, and you go through the whole thing, you see the, the beginning and all the way to the end, and especially in the prison, I remember real well, one of our brothers in Islam had cancer. He was an American brother, he accepted Islam in a prison. Never had the chance to experience what it's like to pray in a masjid like you have here. His masjid was in the prison. Alhamdulillah, it was set aside as a masjid. It's the only one I know in the United States has a masjid in a prison. It has a wudu area too. He never missed the khutbah. If he knew I was going to be there, even if he was in some kind of real difficulty, lockdown, whatever, he'd complain and give all kind of trouble until he could get there because he wanted to be there for the Friday khutbah. I'm talking about even when he got to the point in his cancer, it was so bad, they had to carry him in and lay him down. And I used to give him a hard time. I said, you're just laying around all the time. <laughs> he got so bad that he couldn't even sit up. 
And when we prayed, he could only pray with his eyes. You've heard about that, haven't you? When you get real sick or you can't move, you can pray with your eyes. But have you ever had to pray that way? Have you ever been in such a case that you couldn't even move your arms? You couldn't even sit up? He experienced it. This man wasn't even 30 years old. This man called people to Islam. Many times he would tell me before he got ill. He would tell me, oh, this man over here, tell him about Islam. Help this man. He needs to know so and so. And they would come into Islam. Even the guards that worked there took shahada from this man. One woman guard took shahada from him. And while he was incarcerated, they got married. Just one of the last conversations that he and I had together he said Sheikh can I talk to you in private I said yes he asked the others to leave him with me he said I don't like to bother you but I have a family and I know I can't take care of them I'm stuck here and I feel like I'm not even going to make another week so I just want to ask you if you don't mind I know it's a burden could you look after them for me See that they're okay. I said, of course. But yeah, you're all right. He said, no, I'm not all right. Alhamdulillah. But and he started crying. And tears coming down his face. He started choking back a little bit. I said, what are you crying for? He said, well, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I said, look at you. You're the only one in the whole place got a good shot. It's the best. And you crying. I'm the one who ought to be crying. Because Allah, He's letting you get close to Him through this. For sure, if you're a patient, this is Jannah for you. He said, it is? I said, yes. Not only that, it's Shaheed. He said, why? And I told him about the Hadith of Rasulullah then his tears came more, but now his face is smiling. He said, Allah is doing this for me? Said, he sure is. He said, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. The next Friday, he didn't come. He was across the yard in the D.C. hospital. He died before the sun went down on Friday. His wife became a very good Muslim. She got married to another brother. And she still calls once in a while, lets know how things are going. And all the brothers there still remember the brother. Alhamdulillah. There was another case that a young man was in a prison that I was given some talk on a Monday morning he used to do a program on a Monday mornings and he he was sitting there or laying there actually he was laying on the floor you know like some of the kids like to just hang out put his only his neck is up against the wall and he's listening to me talk and go on about so and so and different things in Islam finally he said hey say why are you coming in here bothering with us we're just criminals I stopped what I was doing. I walked over and I said, what did you say? 
So we're just criminals. Why do you bother with us? I said, are you admitting that you're bad? He said, absolutely. I said, okay, guess what? Probably everybody else in here, you know, including me, is a criminal of some kind. But you just became honest. You just told the truth. So therefore, you're probably better than all of us. He looked like, what? He asked me if I would come and sit with him in the cell one time. I went down. Guard let me in. I sat with him for a while. And we talked. He said, I'm listening to what you're saying, and I understand it. But I don't think I'm good enough to be a Muslim. I don't think I qualify to be somebody who's deserving of this. And I don't think I'm good enough. I think I'll, I'll make mistakes. I know me. I said, well, guess what? You just described me. I make mistakes too. He said, well, I'd, I'd like to try to be a Muslim. So he made a shahada. He came up with us and prayed the Juma and everything. And he started really working for Islam. He started studying. He tried to learn Arabic, read the Quran, learn Hadith. And all this time he's waiting to go on trial. He hadn't even been on trial yet. Four others in the same thing coming in there uh, in our class about Islam. Four others were with him on trial, separate trials, for the same event. Now I'm going to tell you the story of what happened. He and his buddies decided to get some money one day. So they went into a pawn shop where people take things in like TVs and radios and electric saws or whatever, and they get money, borrow money at 200% interest, and then they go and try to get it out later. It's a pawn shop. Now, they sell a lot of things in pawn shop. One of the main things they sell is guns, by the way. I don't know if you know that. They sell guns, rifles, shotguns, everything they got. These boys walked in and wanted money, so they came in there, and they had guns themselves. This boy had a gun. A couple others had guns. They walked in there, pulled their guns out, and it was a lady standing there. They said, give us your money. So she reached down under the cash register and pulled out a gun and started shooting them. And they panicked. They didn't expect this lady's going to shoot us. So they started shooting back, and one of them killed her. And of course, they got caught. They went to prison, waiting for their trial to come up. And then the issue became, who shot her? You got a lot of people popping guns there all of a sudden, and we want to know who's the actual shooter. And every single one of them said, not me. I'm, I didn't shoot her. But one thing that we did know, that this boy's gun was not the right caliber, and it had not been fired. And it's the only one that has his fingerprints. So this much we know, for sure, he didn't do it. At least not with that gun. And all of them knew who did do it, by the way. All of them went on trial one by one, and he was the last one to go on trial. And I remember when my wife came to me with the newspaper one day, and she said, this man is on the front page. Is this, isn't this the one you told me about that came to Islam? And I went and I looked. Full page. Full page. Front page. Big orange suit. They wear orange suits over there. And they said, look, this is the murderer of this lady. Full confession. Judge sentenced him 
uh, they're going to come back for sentencing and they brought him back in for sentencing and guess what death penalty for him now he was taken out of general population and kept in high security he's only allowed out of a small cell for one hour under extreme heavy guards he can go and take his shower he can make any phone calls he wants of course it's three o'clock in the morning who are you going to call and then he can exercise do whatever then get back in that cell for 23 more hours it took a long it took a long time partly my own fault before i could get in to see him days but when i got in to see him i sat there on the bed with him because all he had is a little cot he had a hadith book the quran and on the wall he had that front page of the newspaper I was trying to understand what happened but it says in the newspaper some of what he said and then he filled me in on the details when they asked him they asked the lawyer because the, the, these guys don't want to go on when they go to trial they never speak for themselves you always have a lawyer talk for you he said, I want to talk. And the lawyer's telling him, no, I want to talk. No, no, that's not how it works. But he has a right. It's dumb, but he did it. And he said, Your Honor, all of us are guilty. We were all there. And it doesn't matter who pulled the trigger. We were there. And it would have been just as easy for me or anybody else. Because that was our intent. Look what he learned from Islam. He learned that intention is what it's all about. He also learned that speaking the truth, even if it's against yourself, is an important quality in Islam. All he had to do was be quiet, let the lawyer talk. But he didn't. The lawyer was happy. I mean, not the lawyer, the judge. Very happy because why? He gets a conviction. Here, look, this is the murderer. This is the guy, right? And what's really great is he's half African-American, half black, and half Mexican. Oh, boy, this is fantastic. Not only that, but I can throw something at the ethnic thing and then bring in more votes for me next year from the white people and blah, blah, blah. Works out really great. Everybody was happy. Why do you think it was full page, front page? They didn't mention that he became a Muslim. They didn't say he was in Islam or anything like that. They would today, I'll promise you that. But the brother saw me looking up at the newspaper article. And I looked over to him. I kind of dropped my eyes down. You know, I didn't want to think about it. And he said, Sheikh, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. You don't know what you got with Islam. It's really beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. And that's the beauty of Islam. When anything good comes our way, Alhamdulillah. Any difficulty comes our way, we know it's from the same source. Alhamdulillah. This life is a test. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wake us up to the real meaning of this life. I mean, 
And may he let us share this beautiful, beautiful dean with the rest of the people of this earth. Amen. You can always visit us on the internet at islamtomorrow.com. We're open 24 hours a day and plenty of free parking. Until next time, this is your host, Yusuf Estes, reminding you that Islam doesn't mean just peace. It's a whole lot more. But for sure, it is one of the names of Allah. As-salam. As-salamu alaykum.